a common sense reality check for both the left and the right. This is American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. Have you done your taxes yet? Well, if you have not, don't panic. You still have some time, of course. Tax day is until mid-April. But there might actually still be ways for you to save money on your taxes this year that would apply to last year's tax return. We'll discuss that in just a little bit. I'm Mike Ferguson. Thanks for staying with us here on American Viewpoints. You know, very few things are as emotional and get people fired up as much as the topic over immigration. And there is some agreement on legal immigration. But when it comes to those in the country illegally, well, that gets pretty passionate from sanctuary cities to IDs to dreamers or... The Wall. And I'm joined now by Pete Hutchison. He is the president and uh, general counsel of the Landmark Legal Foundation. And Pete, you've got an interesting set of clients, and this is the what people are calling the angel families. I mean, these are people who have lost a relative to, to someone who committed violence and is in the country illegally. That's correct. Uh, we're involved in uh, litigation out in California that was brought by the ACLU on behalf of the Sierra Club challenging the president's uh, transfer of funds uh, to border wall construction. There are several of these cases around the country, but the leading case is in California. We are representing families who's, who have lost loved ones uh, at the hands of people here illegally. As you said, uh, we're trying to give voice to a group of American families who are being ignored by the media. They're being ignored by politicians and it's appalling, uh, and at Landmark Legal Foundation, we're trying to do something about it. So what is – is there a difference when it comes to a legal perspective of a crime committed by someone in the country illegally versus a crime committed by a legal resident or a citizen? I mean when it comes to representing the families, how does their legal standing differ from those who are affected by crime by anybody else? Well, their, their legal standing is not any different. The, the special treatment that goes on is on the flip side. In sanctuary uh, jurisdictions such as California, I'll give you a great example. San Jose, California is in Santa Clara County. The district attorney there has a formal policy that if you are arrested for, uh, say, a DWI, and it is a felony charge in that uh, jurisdiction, that DA will automatically reduce the charge to a misdemeanor because if you're in this country legally or illegally it's a deportable offense uh, to get a felony conviction and so they have these formal policies that treat people who are in the country illegally better than people who are in the country uh, who you know who are citizens of the country so that's where the inequality is and it's an outrage you know, if you are a uh, Mexican citizen who comes to the United States legally and become and, and that person becomes a U.S. citizen, you don't get that deal in San Jose, California. But uh, if you if you get into the country illegally and get arrested for a DWI, and that has happened in several of the cases of the families that we are representing, where somebody's been here. They've had four or five DWIs. They get reduced automatically, and and uh, and somebody gets killed. Oftentimes, in in traffic accidents, uh, where where the person here illegally 
tries to flee the scene rather than get help for the victim uh, because they're afraid that they're going to get tossed out of the country. And so rather than take care of, of, of an injured party, they run. And that's the kind of injustice that we are fighting. Are there any uh, legal actions being taken on behalf of the Angel families? Uh, I mean, is there uh, is there anybody being sued or any request for prosecution? I think there's one lawsuit that's currently pending. See, the problem is is that the sanctuary jurisdictions the are are government entities, and government entities are immune from litigation. So you cannot go sue the sheriff for letting somebody out of jail. Uh, because he's performing his official duties. So the uh, further injustice is that these families have no recourse at all. Oftentimes there's been a, uh, you know, like a, a, a formal uh, request from ICE to detain someone and to turn them over to ICE that are, that's ignored. Uh, in other cases, there have been voluntary removal orders that uh, where people have agreed to leave, but they ignore them. And then, uh, uh, you know that those formal actions, you know, ignoring uh, a request from ICE for assistance, and that's growing all over the country. Uh, towns and states are formalizing those kinds of policies, but families who are who are uh, injured have no recourse. Ultimately, the the person responsible for these crimes is the person who actually uh, committed it. But if Correct. yeah, if there is. Uh, you know, somewhere when there is a case where a jurisdiction won't hold on to somebody or anything like that, what I'm hearing you say is that there is no legal recourse against a district attorney or circuit attorney or an attorney general in a, a state. Uh, for instance, isn't California just a sanctuary state at this point? Yes. Yes, it is. And and no, there is no recourse. Even, you know, even out there uh, in California, you've got situations where where government officials are, are being required essentially to violate the law and thus violate their oaths of office. But, but uh, uh, those folks don't even have recourse. All they can do is resign their jobs uh, on, on, you know, on principle. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's just a really crazy situation. And it's spreading. Uh, I think now there are uh, 26 states that have some sort of sanctuary policy or jurisdiction, formal statutory or regulatory policy. It's very dangerous. We're visiting with uh, Pete Hutchison, the president and general counselor of the Landmark Legal Foundation. So, Pete, I can imagine somebody listening to us right now saying, OK, well, these are these are political and policy questions as far as sanctuary cities and immigration policies. It's a tragedy when anybody gets killed. But what can you do in civil court uh, to affect what's happening as far as the violence goes, if it's not a law enforcement or policy question only? Well, the, our primary purpose at this point is to bring awareness of what's going on. You know, this is not a binary uh, sort of situation where either you have to be compassionate to people who are here, who you know, families who are trying to get away from a violent government, or you know you have to you have to reject them and protect the American public. Uh, there there are there are more ways to do this, and so what we're trying to do is give these give these crime victims a voice so that there can be a 
uh, more fulsome discussion of the issues that are related to this thing. You know, there's nothing compassionate uh, about enabling and perpetuating a system that allows poor people from Central America to be exploited by their governments, by drug runners, and by human traffickers. And that's exactly what's going on right now under the status quo. And But once they get here, uh, you know, the left, primarily, you know, they, they want to ignore all that and just say, okay, well, we have to, uh, we have to open the borders and, and let all comers come in. That's just crazy. It's dangerous. It, it, it allows the exploitation of, of, of the people that they purport to, uh, to help, and they create dangerous communities. All right, Pete, um, what uh, is the way people can get a hold of either you or follow what you all are uh, working on? Well, that's, uh, we, can, we can be found at landmarklegal.org. Uh, our website has uh, more information about the, uh, and links to the brief that we filed in the Ninth Circuit. There, there are additional cases uh, that, uh, will be, that we will be getting involved with. The federal government has brought some challenges uh, to sanctuary policies, and the federal government does have uh, the standing to do that. So we are hoping to become involved in those to to uh, to get these stories out and uh, get some justice for these families. All right, Pete, uh, appreciate the uh, perspective, and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. All right, so are you holding off filing your tax returns because you're afraid of the bill? Well, We might be able to help with that. Uh, We've got some advice on reducing your tax burden from last year by possibly making some changes now in 2020. We'll explain just ahead on American Viewpoints. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen, and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Did you like what you heard on the show, or did my guest get it totally wrong? Or maybe I got it wrong. Either way, hear it again and share our discussions through the American Viewpoints podcast. I'm Mike Ferguson, and every segment of this show is posted as a podcast. Find it on Simplecast or Spotify, Radio Public, iHeart, or pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. A new podcast is posted every Monday through Thursday, so subscribe and keep the conversation going.